What is up, None But Christ podcast. This is your host, Josh Oliver. And today, as you listen, we invite you to join us on the journey to know the God of the Bible and to live for him with all our heart, soul, and strength. Today, I just want to ask you uh, a bit of a provocative question, maybe. Um, That's not exactly what I mean, but I'm going to ask you a tough question. Do you really believe in unity like Jesus did? And this is the question I asked myself as I prepared for this conversation. And I said conversation, and that's important because I'm joined by I'm joined by Brett Swagger. Brett, how's it going, man? Uh, not good. <laughs> what? What's up, man? What's up? What's going on? I was trying to think of the analogy how I feel about uh, starting to record a podcast. I feel like I'm walking the plank. <laughs> that's so brutal. That's so that's brutal. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad I could be like the guy to invite you on. To you're, walk the plank. Is you're the you're guy me. with the sword, <laughs> pushing you, pushing down. me in 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 my spine to the edge of. And the death. audience is like the alligators chomping in the water, <laughs> this, this waiting sounds, for you to jump off. Th- th- this is how I feel. How are you doing, Brett? Great, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I was wondering if the two packs of expired cheese doodles <laughs> was what was doing you into not feeling so great. No, those were good. <laughs> those those were. You know, as stale as can be, but no, it's the sword in my back and the audience this, waiting. This unity conversation, you know, with, about the words of Jesus, this is just this is just torture for Brett's that, that part is very interesting to me. I, so, I do enjoy that. So, I'd like everyone to, I don't know, I guess it's insight. Like, I was thinking about this and approach you said, hey, like, let's have this conversation. And your immediate response was like, oh absolutely it's a great i i think it's a really interesting topic it's a really interesting question yeah i think everybody should immediately realize phrase the phrase the say the question one more time do do we that's an important part i said you you know at the start to the audience but really Mm -hmm. this is what we're all asking do we believe in unity like jesus did (laughs) yeah um do we did he think it was possible right so okay let's let's we'll get to our we'll get to our reading so the we're gonna go to john 17 and verse 20 uh, and i'm gonna i'll read it for you and this is this is the reference that uh, that we had in mind so of course okay another aside brett kept asking me like oh you, you know you think you have any other references you know how do you want to do this conversation like in preparation and i just said hey let's like i'm just thinking of this this John, this John passage, um, because it's so direct and we all, it's just one of those, to me, it like pokes me in the eyes. Like you've got to, you've got to have an answer to it. And we just both agreed talking about it that, and we'll take some ownership on ourselves, but we feel like in Christianity generally, it's just like brushed aside. Like Jesus did say what we're about to read but it's just impossible or it's too idealistic. So I guess that's kind of what we're going to consider. And, uh, and now I'll read. So starting in verse 20, and this, is, uh, this is Jesus. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me and loved them, loved them even as you have loved me. So we'll stop. Yeah, we'll stop there. And now the whole, just another thing before we get going, the whole chapter is, it's the Bible and it's Jesus. It's totally worth um, reading and thinking about and studying. We're just going to focus on this section and just two observations that I'll point out. And then um, I'd love to love to hear from you, Brett, but two things that Jesus says are basically the, the reasons um, for unity. So there's, there's two purposes for the unity that Jesus is asking for. The first one is so that the world will believe that God has sent Jesus. So he says, so that the world will believe you have sent me. That's the first reason. And then the second reason is so that the the world would know that God loves... Okay, hold on. I wrote down, no God loves us as much as Christ. So what Jesus says is uh, that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you've loved me. So the, the second reason that the world would know that God, that God loves that God loves them as he loved Christ. So perfect love. So the two reasons that the world would believe that Christ is son of God and two that the world would know that God has loved them as he's loved Christ. And those are, I just point those out. Those are the reasons and the purposes for this unity. And that's the first, there should be, it should be a red flag for us to ever swipe aside the Bible. But w- with those reasons, there's just no way we can get around it then from from my perspective. This can't be idealistic because of the reasons he gives massive support. This is something that we have to do because I mean, it's, you know, their life or death, their eternal destiny type reasons. So Brett, uh, what, any observations or anything you want to point out from the, from the passage? Yeah. I, I mean, just with the ideas that you've communicated, the, the reasons for this, um, maybe I'll read a passage that we're a little more familiar with, and then I'll paraphrase what Jesus is saying in this one. So we're all familiar, we're a little more familiar with this verse. By this all men will know you are my disciple if you have love for one another. Okay, uh, pretty, pretty simple, straightforward. Um, this, like, if we go to that example, our love for each other is a witness of to the world about ourselves. Say say that again. Our love for each other in that verse is a witness to the world about us. It's testifying about us that we are his disciples. So now let me, I mean, just because I think it heightens the magnitude, I will use kind of the framework of that verse and use the ideas out of John 17. So uh, by this, all men will know that I came from God if you are one with one another. Now all of a sudden... The authorized Brett version? Yeah. That's good. It's going on sale. (laughs) Go ahead, that's good. Uh, Now all of a sudden, what we do is not a testimony to ourselves, but to Christ on whether he is from God or not. Yeah. Yeah, not a big deal. Right. Let's yeah, try and swipe try and swipe it aside now. Yeah. Uh that's a yeah, the, the magnitude of uh 
the reason that you've brought up is is astounding Uh, yeah i just the first it's the first thing that pops out to me of the these two purposes for unity is witness is our witness to the world um our witness to god which is to the world as you pointed out and i i actually just thought of a kind of a tough question what does this mean for me in regards to uh in regards to evangelism or or witnessing or anything like that what i'm just asking myself what business do i have thinking i should share the gospel if i'm not at unity with my brothers and sisters in christ when he he explicitly states like this is why you do this this is a witness to the truth about me and to it's a lot of things are gospel truth this is gospel truth actually that god sent christ because god loved the world as he loved christ so this is something to check and just even just share this fact this this with the audience that before this conversation uh brett and i not disagreement but just uh, i don't know how you'd say it even we just had something uh how how would you say it brett (laughs) hey we have we have tons of things like any people that live as like close to each other as we do at this point um we, we constantly have things like that's a friction that's a friction point right so just yeah and friction points and it wasn't just a small i mean it's multiple things but like it was a like it was a sizable deal between us of like hey we just need to talk this through and i was thankful brett initiated and said hey like how are we going to talk about unity if we don't talk about this so we did and i just i just came to my mind i don't know how i couldn't share this the there's just there's immediate practical demands from this passage is the first thing but an encouragement there's immediate blessing from it that for one i mean i actually do feel something relieved from me after having the conversation and then the second idea like obviously now we're trying to hold this conversation about unity and what christ is talking about and we would essentially disqualify ourselves from talking about it if we hadn't if we hadn't talked about that it's kind of just something to to think about so now Okay, before you move on. Yeah, go ahead. You had mentioned like it does touch on the gospel. I was thinking I I have a thought just to tack on to that. Yeah, good. It's a quote from a from a Mr. Nicholson. He said something to this effect at one point. This is how I remember it. He said, How can we convince people that they can be reconciled to God when we can't be reconciled to each other? Like we if if you can if you can use your imagination it it helps me to imagine like as as believers we knew just we know just how far off we were from god you know that's that's just something we know we were a long ways off separated from god and if we looked around we would say hey well we're all kind of in the same boat well <laughs> if we can't be reconciled to each other and we we're right here we're we're not far from each other. I'm not... Yeah, how can we convince people that they can be reconciled to a holy God? It just... It, it does. It touches right to the core of the gospel. Yeah. So. Colossians 1.20, it's all... Like, it's just always... It's one of those verses to me that everything relates back to it. But it says, The blood of Christ 
Um, Christ has made peace by the blood of his cross to reconcile all things to himself. So when when there's friction or divide between Christians, yeah, just I'm echoing what you said. It's denying the truth that the blood of Christ reconciles all things. So the next thing that we're gonna do, let's. I just asked Brett, and I did the same for myself. We just prepared kind of our thoughts on on this conversation, our thoughts on uh, where it applies applies to people and applies to us and the main tensions that it solves in our lives and um, and those things. So why don't you uh, you want to give us your your list what we're gonna do Brett's gonna read his list of, of things I'm gonna read my list and then we're gonna we're gonna see where they line up and, and kind of kind of go from there talk about it from there. So this is. <laughs> This is jumping outside of the original parameters of the conversation, but I thought it would just be interesting to consider. Um, I looked through Revelation 2 and 3 to where Jesus uh, speaks to the churches, and I, I couldn't help but ask myself the question, if this is important to Jesus, like how many times does it come up in Revelation 2 or 3? Um, and we can get into that or not get into that. Um, and then my next question would be, the reason I have heard this passage brushed under the rug, and maybe we want to talk about this more as well, is because there's an acknowledgement that we believe different things about what the Bible says and means. Yeah. And so then the question comes up when I think about these verses is, you know, are our doctrines or, you know, beliefs just not important? Okay. Uh, so we can, yeah. we yeah, who cares what you believe? Then it's easy to hug it out. Interesting. So let me, I'll throw out my first one because it's, it's the same idea. My first, my first thought on this was that uh, theological difference doesn't justify, uh, I wrote separation or lack of fellowship or anything like that. So what was your question again? So I, I just phrase it this way. Is, is doctrine or beliefs, theology, is it just not that important? Sure. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear your answer. I feel like I have a, maybe this is a weak answer, but I would say that we have to have, that unity, it seems like, is a higher value than where we land on specific doctrines and that and it it's back to the blood of christ one of the maybe the central truth of christianity is that christ's blood christ's death um, the cross brings all things back to god and so that's the number one thing we're to witness to so we can acknowledge that you can we we're just talking about the same thing you can land somewhere else in regards to take any any theological subject or doctrine say uh this is my second count ecclesiology the way we do church it's the same thing that uh the way we do church can't negate our fellowship or destroy our fellowship or or those ideas so say you land somewhere else you think we should do church a way different way i still need to have fellowship with you as a believer um, sure, and it's a whole 
we might do a whole nother episode on it. It's a different discussion. Well, should I go to this church if I don't align theologically? That's a different question. But that that would be kind of how I how I'd say it. It's a we have to acknowledge the truth of the gospel. What what Christ accomplished on the cross and theological difference is not in is not the the divider. It cannot be the the divider of of Christians. I think I think this is made abundantly clear in 1 Corinthians 1 uh, when Paul says, My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulus. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? So, yeah, how can, how can I uh, set the unity provided by Christ aside and say, I follow Paul? I can't set it aside. He wasn't crucified for me. This is not the person who bought me. This is not the one who reconciled me. This is not the one who, uh, who I am a part of. I am actually in. So, yeah, it's... What do you say about it? Yeah, so the, for me, I think those are the two biggest uh, excuses. I'm going to call them excuses because just like being honest, that's what they are, is theological or doctrinal difference and ecclesiological difference, church practice differences. Do you? Is there anything you'd add you think are the biggest excuses that people think are legitimate to not having this kind of, not pursuing this kind of unity that Christ is? is asking the Father for? Well, I would say people look at their differences and don't have any real motivation to overcome or to work through them. And this works itself out in like loads of different ways. Like we, we yes, you had brought up, uh, you know, church differences. But let's, let's say whether it's inside your church in particular, uh, you might have real differences, real splits among people inside your church already. Or it may just be the fact that we, we divide each other immediately based upon where we do go to church. You know, people have mentioned it before. It is, it is kind of humorous. One of the first things we do with each other Oh, you're a Christian? Where do you go to church? Yeah. It's like the dumbest thing to ask. Like, what are we trying to figure out? Like... If I can be your friend or not, obviously. Right. <laughs> right. It is so... It, Oof, it, you're Presbyterian. Right. We're, <laughs> we're immediately, you know, drawing battle lines and throwing up walls. It's the, it's the first thing we do. Why do we do this? Yeah. And so, I'm sure not all Christians... Like, we're going to have to talk in some generalizations. Not all Christians are doing this. Sure. It's could very well be, yeah, my stupidity. But, no, it is one of the things that I, I oftentimes get the question. I've tried, to, I've tried to find, you know, creative ways to dodge it. <laughs> but, yeah, we can get into yeah, you do. how it I've, works. I've witnessed that. Where do you go to church? Oh, like St. Peter's. So, somewhere down the road. <laughs> like... 
It's like 40 minutes away. <laughs> no, no, where'd you go to church, though? Oh, well, there's just a few of us. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's hilarious. I just, let's take a, let's actually take a, uh, an aside, which is not at all an aside. We didn't, we didn't talk about, we're not trying to, you know, give an exposition of the chapter and super deal with the passage, but let's just pause for a second to touch on the, what, what Jesus actually says, what the unity is. And I'm sure you heard us re- you heard me read it at the beginning, but let's revisit it. So we're not talking detached from the passage. We're not just talking about this ethereal unity idea. That's a um, yeah. We we are talking about the passage. So what Jesus says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So I, I'm sure you guys know this. I'm just trying to keep us grounded. That the unity Jesus sets is the unity that He has with the Father. So whatever your Trinity understanding is, that's the bar he sets for the unity. And then again, um, perfectly one in verse 23. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So the first, the first uh, level of unity is as Jesus, Jesus Christ and the Father are one. And the second level of unity, which is it's the same, it's just a different way he said it, is perfectly one. So, I don't know if we want to if we want to go down that route. Um, no, we'll just we'll leave that there. It's perfect unity is the goal that we're aspiring to. So, what's what's next on your list? Let's move down there. I mean, I eventually have what I think will be at the end of our conversation. Questions about just how do we actually do this? What's our responsibility? Okay. No, you have anything else? We will. Yeah, we'll get there at the end, and we'll see where that. We'll see where that goes. Do you have any other, any other things that you had had listed? Yeah, and I think it fla- it it falls right under that same question. I just you know what are some of the resources Christ has given us to solve these problems? Sure. Well, yeah, I, let's we'll head there at the end. Yeah. I got I got two more that we'll take a look at. So the third, this is a, it's a little bit of a different direction. It's just one of the positives though, or one of the things that this passage would address is the the need and the the blessing of diverse christian friendships um and again the the, um, we're not tearing down the ways that christians think and and gather ourselves so much but the grouping where we are saying the groupings and gatherings the division shouldn't separate us so what i mean is the the beauty of me having fellowship and a friendship fellowship's a worse word a friendship with somebody who doesn't align with me theologically or i don't know if ecclesiology is a word people track with i don't know why i keep using it or somebody who comes from a completely different church tradition or whatever and what it does it points it's so obvious it's where this verse it's like living out, it is living out the verse, but it points to the truth in such a spectacular way, I think. So for me to have a friendship with, I don't, I can't even think of a good example of somebody. Think of somebody, well, the furthest. Let's put, let's put a good example to it. Okay. Um, because I think it does help to define this a little better. We're not, we're not saying we're searching for oneness with, uh, you know, elder so-and-so from the 
LDS. LDS Mormon yeah. church. We're, we're not talking about like what commonly gets discussed as like the ecumenical movement. Like any, anybody that flies a banner that says Jesus on it doesn't necessarily make them somebody I'm seeking unity with. Sure. So where, like, yeah, define that example. Use that example. Give us a little more. So I think about, I read a, I read a mission, Brett got me to read a missionary story. This was like a once in a blue moon. He, he pressured me into it. He, I mean, that is, that is close to the truth, man. I mean, you just about pressured me into it. <laughs> so anyways, it was good though. I was glad I read it. So it was about a guy named Count von Zinzendorf, which is, that's a mouthful right that's there. That's an awesome name. But it was a great recommendation. What, what, one of the things that marked his life he, I don't even know what this means. He was Moravian, which I guess is is a denomination. Is it a denomination? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I drive past any Moravian, Moravian brethren churches. churches. Right. So he was a priest in like a Moravian church, I believe. And he, but he crossed boundaries. He worked with groups of Lutherans. And I don't, that's, that's the only other example of people I know. But he, um, brought together multiple denominations and, and uh, actually formed communities of living with these people. And he was a, he was a missionary to uh, the Caribbean, maybe? Yes. The Caribbean, that's a and whole other... America. Yeah, it's a whole other story. It was, there were savage tribes, and he kept sending his people, and then he went himself because people kept dying. And he's like, I'll do it. He thought he was going to die. He didn't die. He just it's a, it's a great story. But that that level of uh you know a lutheran and a and a presbyterian and a baptist and a non-denominational you know a brethren person and a calvary chapel person that's kind of it's the general sphere we're talking about and then it gets dicey it gets dicey and you say well you know what about what about a catholic or what about a an eastern orthodox um believer i guess is what it would be whatever practice or whatever um, and then the question is, and I don't, I don't have a good way of doing it. I don't know. I don't know a good way of doing it, but it does then still come down to, to faith in Christ. Does this person have faith in Christ? And if I would say, you know, if they do and they believe differently, you don't have to agree with them. Don't agree with them. But I would still say that this, this oneness is in play if they believe that, um, baptism and the Eucharist have a role in their salvation. Like it's dicey, but they have faith in Christ. What do you, what do you do? That's the tough, that's probably where it gets the toughest. I mean, this is a completely different conversation in that regard. I mean, it goes down into a different conversation. I mean, I'm looking for, I'm looking at a, at a believer. And I, I know you are too, as a person who trusts in Christ period like you don't, sure you can't add works to this um but the question always comes up like do we think that every person who says oh, i'm a catholic and what's going to get me to heaven right. well you know i attend mass and like are we saying that every one of those people is absolutely without doubt not a, not a believer like what what if one of these people at some point in time, just turns to turns to Jesus Christ to sure. save them. And yes, they have. It's all they've heard. 
was you have to do these things and they're right back in the next very the very next Sunday for mass being told all the wrong things so yeah I think we're tracking on the same same page we need to be one with believers yeah and then the I don't know if I I don't know if I answered it so why is that so spectacular a picture of what Christ says and of the gospel because then it shows it's a witness to the world when I'm with whatever I, I think it's helpful if you think of the furthest tradition or denomination from where you stand. So if you think of that, um, for you to have genuine fellowship, friendship, relationship, um, I would say like you could serve, you could still serve God and minister to people together. That'd be a great way to do it. Those, it shows the power of the cross that it can bring these people together. And it, we can take it that we won't, we won't pull it out, but the next step that the showing the power of the cross, that's true on so many other levels, whether it be gender, um, or, and I don't mean like transgender, but like men and women coming together and different ethnicity, ethnic groups working together, different, um, level, different classes, all these things show the power of Christ. Like you have, you have no business doing that with that person or having a relationship with that person and as christians we can say well what do you what do you mean the this is the gospel playing out so that that's the third and then the fourth and kind of the direction we'll try and we'll we'll pull out the fourth the fourth is going to get a little bit theological and then i think what we'll do is um we'll just i'll brett you can just leave us with some of your questions we're going to leave it on a on a cliff just throw out these questions about about unity that you were thinking of and then um if if you guys are lucky enough we'll get back together and we'll do a we'll do a part two <laughs> i'm just kidding if, we, we if will I, do a part two if stepping off the edge of this plank doesn't kill me there might be a part two with brett if if it does it'll be with somebody else so that'll be good for everybody right there's gonna be a part two that that was just a that's great podcasting right there. So the fourth, the fourth thing that I that I was thinking about with with Jesus's desire for unity, um, I called it the rule of new creation. So I'll just read. I wrote it down in Galatians six, in verse fifteen, and it says, "For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." Uh, we're not gonna we won't dive into into galatians and the background of galatians in the context of galatians um, but if if you're not if that doesn't mean anything to you um, in galatians paul i would say what paul's doing is creating um, a, com- a church or faith community and that's for brett right there he doesn't he, he's got some problems with me saying faith <laughs> community but anyways the he's trying to form this community of Christ followers around around faith in Christ. And so the 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 defining factor of these people isn't their ethnicity um, and this verse this verse makes it clear it's not whether they're circumcised or uncircumcised it's their faith in Christ that marks them and and, and means anything. This is the new it's like a new 
It's new creation. It's exactly what it is. There's a new creation. It and how? What's the new creation marked by? It's marked by faith. So how does this play into um, into the unity conversation in in the John 17? Because it's gospel. It goes back to the gospel. It's what brings us together. Um, but it points to the reality of new creation, which is, I'd said to you, like, I think that this is like a seed statement in Galatians. It's just like near the end of the book, he doesn't really talk about, I don't think he mentions new creation the entire book until this verse. And then you see it in um, the Corinthians and uh, Romans, other places in Paul definitely but anyways um and it's it's what christ has done he's enabled enabled new creation when you put your faith in christ you're reborn and you're um you're in the family of god and now you have a new identity and it's found in christ and all of these in all of these things whenever christians divide and divide and we don't have relationship with people because of differences that we discussed whether church differences doctrine differences or any any differences those are the ones we we talked about personal strife and tension that's even man we didn't even yes thank you Brett. yeah personal it doesn't have to be this intense sorry man we made this so i made this so intense it could be anything right exactly it could be personal disagreements um and let alone yeah let alone like family stuff like you just gotta we have to we our lives as Christians is, is a ministry of reconciliation. The whole, the whole thing. This is what we're doing, and it's all as a witness to Christ and to God and to how He loves the world, and um, so the the world will believe that that Christ was sent by God. Um, do you have anything? Does the what do you? How do these new creation thoughts sound to you? Does it is it confusing, or or what do you think? Um. I mean, it makes it makes sense to me when we talk about uh, in in the verse that we started verses in John seventeen that we started out with. It says uh, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. Um, there's complete unity there, uh, but then Jesus goes on to say, "I in them." Jesus is speaking. I am in them and you in me. So, yes, this is completely new. We've entered into a, a whole new realm of existence. Uh, never before uh, had anything ever been articulated in even the Old Testament like this idea that Jesus is beginning to discuss a people living in a new place in him uh he made a new thing he made a body of believers and for me to turn around and like cut this leg off or cut this hand off of my own body is insanity then yeah so I think, yeah, new creation, absolutely. Yeah, I like the the limb the limb thing. It's pretty, it's graphic, but it's powerful. And the the other thing, the circumcision uncircumcision, it it's just it's very it's very powerful. What you actually see in Galatians, 
if we have any understanding of the of that context taking jewish people who their their life was meant to be look so different from the nations that was their one of their primary tasks and for paul i mean it's god but through paul his ministry of taking the circumcision the nation of israel and the nations gentiles and allowing them to come together and be unified in the body of christ and to now both um, serve and be witnesses to the one true god so it's taking for our times it's taking the opposite ends of the spectrum it's taking i don't i can't even think of a good example sure like people from pakistan and people from india like these sure. people are mortal enemies outside of the church right bring them yes bring them into you know saving faith in christ and they become brothers and they exactly yeah there's okay there's so many stories i there's now they're flooding my mind my mind cory ten boom forgiving the her nazi oppressor sure if this doesn't testify to people that Jesus Christ really is from God, that what he is doing is God-sized and only uh, capable by God himself, I don't know what else will. Exactly. It's, again, yeah. New creation. God's making something new. This was impossible. This is impossible without God. It was impossible before Christ. Christ has made it possible. He's opened up the new way. He's opened up a new path. Um, you can, yeah, all the things Christ has opened up. There's so many blessings that are just f- flying down from heaven on, on people. But yeah, that idea. So, okay, let's, you can land the plane. Let's hear. You the, just want questions? Yeah. If you could just phrase, phrase the questions and that's what we'll. So here's just a few I have written down. You don't want to say anything about them? What, do you think that's going to be a terrible... I don't know. Well, let's try it. See what happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, how do we, as Christians, who may be at odds with another believer, with another church, how do we become one? How do we actually do this? So, what is our responsibility and I know some of the natural questions that immediately rise. I don't know if we did a good job articulating this or not, but maybe we didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that we really talked about my one question, is doctrine just not that important? I don't know that we really discussed it. This is good. You keep, you keep giving them, and we are, we'll, do another, we'll do another episode about these, yeah. answering these questions. Uh, so, so what is our responsibility? Is my responsibility just to like, you know, well, I guess, guess I, what, you know, this doctrine that I disagree with this other church, I guess I just can't hold it anymore. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? Uh, okay. What resources has Christ given us to solve strife? disunity what resources can we look for obviously if 
If this is his prayer for us, need we highlight it again? Um, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and then all of a sudden, he's praying for those who believe in me and I, that we may be one. This is what he wants. I don't think he was like, huh, watch him try this. They don't have a prayer. Like, what resources did he give us to find unity with each other? To work through personal strife, doctrinal strife, yeah. all these things. He wouldn't call us to do something we're not able to do. Right. right. That's all I got. Good. Good. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to end with those we're going to end with those questions and uh yeah i think those are i think those are some obvious some obvious holes that we didn't discuss and so we'll we'll come back and answer those in a future episode and i just want to say if you have if anybody listening you know you stuck around to the end through this through this podcast and you have any questions that are any burning questions about what jesus said here about what we said or anything um we'd love to we'd love to field those those as well in the in the next the next unity unity episode so thank you thank you brett for having having this conversation with me and and coming on the podcast oh no no thank you josh (laughs) thanks man you're welcome (laughs) and i think i thank everybody thank everybody for listening and hope that this is a blessing to you and and challenges you